All right. Well, we are in week two of this interesting series called Everyday Vultures. And the key scripture uh, that we started with last week uh, was in Ecclesiastes chapter three. Uh, we're going to read it together. Uh, in fact, everybody say it with me. Here we go. Let's go. God does everything just right and on time. Now, if we stop right there and there was a period there, we could take it to the bank and we can, we can trust that completely, but the comma indicates that there's more to the story here and this is where you and I, no matter whether we're a seasoned saint or we're just getting started, this is where we can trip up in our journey with Jesus and here's what the author of Ecclesiastes says, God does everything just right and on time, but... People can never completely understand what he's doing. If you're a husband, you relate to that with your wife. <laughs> but, but people never quite understand what their wife's doing or their husband's doing, right? Uh, if you're married, you understand that. But when it comes to God, we don't quite understand. We don't quite see the, the next three steps. We don't have an eternal perspective like God does. And so what this requires is, is what pleases God. In fact, without this component, you can't please God. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to really even know God without faith. And as we talked about last week, as we recap very quickly, there are facets of faith that we see in the life of different characters in the Bible. They'll see it in your life too, different phases or facets of faith. And it all starts with facet number one, and it's God has a dream for my life. God deposits something, and then you, you're responsible for the second phase. God does the first facet. He gives a dream of, here's where I want you to go. Here's what I want you to do. Here's who I want you to be. And he shows us his word, and that's what we follow as the blueprint for our lives. But then the second part of the facet of faith is that we have to make the decision to follow the dream. And once we make the decision, uh, we go into facet number four, and that's I receive the delivery of God's dream. And wouldn't it be nice if we could go just from here to here and just end up at the delivery of God's dream? But instead, there's this little space right here. And what happens between making the decision to follow God and go hard after God and trust what he says, uh, and even though you don't completely understand all that it's works, the, this, this whole box right here has got discord and distraction and difficulties, dead ends and delays. And what I talked about last week, we, we, we called this mayhem in the middle. And during the middle of this mayhem in the middle, there, there are going to be challenges to your faith, challenges to your walk. And even in this whole idea of, of this story in Genesis 15, as Abram was given a promise that God was going to give him many, many descendants, yet he got older and older and older and older. Years and years, a couple decades go by before he ever sees the delivery of that dream actually happen and here we, we here we see uh, Abram that he's beginning to make a covenant with God and when he sacrifices and he lays it all out of table he also has to act be active in it he doesn't just give it completely to God he has to swat away vultures that are trying to steal his sacrifice and we ended last week with these two thoughts that God will keep his covenant he's the one that makes a blood covenant with us we don't shed our blood he shed his blood 
He's the one that, it's, it's not about what you could ever do, what you could ever swear, what you could ever promise. God has made the promise. He's made the covenant. But it's our job to chase away the vultures. And a vulture I want to un, unpack today, a vulture I want to um, kind of reveal today is one that everybody deals with, and it is the vulture of doubt. And I want everybody to breathe easy because doubt isn't just what unbelievers do. Uh, doubt isn't uh, just what young Christians do. In fact, everybody has doubts. The person on your right, the person on your left, the person that's experienced good things, the experienced person that's experienced bad things, the pastor holding the microphone, everybody has doubts. And, and they, uh, they reveal themselves in different ways through our lives. Take your worship guide there and let's, let's write some of these down. Here, here's here's uh, different kinds of doubts. For example... When we doubt the future, what is it going to look like? How's it going to happen? Is it going to is it going to turn out okay? Am I really going to find uh, Mr. Right? Is 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 the report going to be um, a, a good report? Or is the report going to be a bad report? We we don't call it doubting the future. What we do call it is worry. Worry is just a form of doubt. When we doubt uh, other people, doubting other people and not for sure their motives or their in, intentions. We we don't say I'm doubting other people. We we, but we are a little, you know, suspicious. We have suspicion on whether they're going to keep their word or not. We don't just doubt, you know, the future and other people. We also, we doubt ourselves. And when we doubt ourselves and struggle with that doubt, we, we don't say we're doubting ourselves. It, it, we just, it, it ends up being insecurity. Here's a couple more. When we doubt everything, because you, you know that, you know that person. Maybe you are that person. Uh, maybe you're married to that person. Maybe uh, uh, you, you were raised by that person. Uh, whatever. We, when we doubt everything, that's just called, you know, skeptical. But it's a, it's a form of doubt. Um, here, here's another one that's pretty important. When we doubt Facebook, it's a pretty big doubt. When you doubt Facebook, you know what that is? That's actually intelligence. You should not believe every single thing you read on a news feed, okay? Just because they got a cute picture of a kitten does not mean you can trust what it says, okay? When we doubt Facebook, that's intelligence. And then here's, here's one. Uh-oh, this is a big one. When we doubt God, when we doubt God, you know what that is? It's normal. It's normal. I'll show you in a few moments that uh, major players in the Bible struggled with moments of doubt. Now, because of all this, I want to tell you that there is some good news and some bad news. There's some good news and there's some bad news. Let me give you the bad news first. Here's the bad news. Doubt if left unchecked. Doubt if not dealt with. Doubt if you, if, if you, if you don't get the remedy for it, if, if you don't uh, activate the antidote to it, it will eventually rob your joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord gives us a buoyancy in the middle of the waves of life. Joy helps us g take on crazy things and the world looks at you and says, man, how are you able to hold it together in the middle of this stuff? That's the joy of the Lord which is our strength. But your joy is robbed the more you doubt. And eventually it becomes, uh, you know, the light turns on and it becomes empty, that tank of joy. And it will destroy your confidence uh, and assurance. And faith, you know what that is? It's an assurance. It's a confidence in things that you just don't always understand. James, the half-brother of Jesus in the book of James, says it like this. He says, a doubtful mind 
will be as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Just you, there's no there's just a random. If you've ever sat on a beach long enough, it's just random how far the waves will come in. It's random how one will hit and the other one won't. It just it's just a, it tossed back and forth, and every decision you then make will be uncertain without faith. As you turn first this way and then that. The Bible also says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And doubt brings double-mindedness. It's okay to doubt. It's not a sin to doubt. But it's critical that we at least face our doubts head on. Good news is it is possible to have doubts and not be defeated. It's possible to have doubts and trust in God. It's possible to, to, to navigate the, the storm water, the storm waves and wind of doubt. And that's what we're going to kind of try to unpack together uh, today. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we are often troubled, but we are not crushed. Sometimes we're in doubt but never in despair. He goes on to say, there are many enemies, but we're never without a friend. And though we badly hurt at times, we are not destroyed. I want to say to everybody that's within the sound of my voice, maybe you're here and you're struggling. You're struggling because God has not for you proven to be what you needed him to be in a moment that you felt you needed him to be that. I want you to know that you're not alone and, and that you can have confidence that even though you may be storm-tossed, uh, even though you may uh, uh, be having some enemies, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Though we badly hurt, he understands our hurts and we're not destroyed. In fact, we're lifted up. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What causes doubt? Here, here's just a, a three of the many, but, but kind of these are good big categories. Write these down. Here's some causes of doubt. Well, of course, hello, our critics. People that become critical of you, especially in your faith. This happens in college, classrooms, high school, in the locker room, you name it. People can be critical of your faith. They question things. They, In fact, they kind of scoff. They they kind of raise a nose to uh, the, 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 the idea of, of you trusting God or trusting in the Bible. Isn't that just some kind of like old book that isn't even relevant anymore, that has all kinds of, like, like they don't even really understand understand the value of the Bible, what it's gone through, and why it is uh, to be trusted and can be relied upon. King David dealt with critics. Uh, he writes about it in, in uh, Psalm 73. He says, they scoff at God. You know, they put a nose up to God. How proudly they speak. They're fools. They, 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 they just, they, they're, they're foolish people. And so God's people are dismayed and confused and drink it all in. That's the that's the problem with the scoffers, people that are foolish that they don't even know what they're saying. Yet believers can just, just God's people can just drink it in, and all of a sudden we're like, oh man, what if they are right? What if they are true? And we forget to stand on the promises of God, and they wonder, does God realize what's going on? They ask. 
There are people in your life that will say, uh, I will only accept what I can understand. And if that's your statement or your stance on God, I I will only accept a God that I can truly understand. Well, man, I can't understand how Neil Armstrong got on the moon. I know he was there. You know, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists like, man, that was a Hollywood thing. I I believe it happened. I believe the earth, believe it or not, I believe it's round. I believe it's a a sphere. It's not flat. We'll have that debate later. Don't even get me started if you're a flat earther today. But what I want to say to you is, is I can't understand it all. Uh, But it doesn't mean that I don't believe it. And if you're waiting to completely understand God before you accept him as your savior, you, you, you... He wouldn't be God if you could understand everything about him. Another Psalm in 42, David says, again and again, they scoff. Where is that God of yours when you're going through the hard time? When there's a tragedy that hits, when there's another school shooting, when there's another act of hatred, when, when, there's, when there's another uh, 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 natural disaster and thousands of people die, scoffers will say, yeah, where's your God, all-loving God? If he really loves, why wouldn't? And what I want to encourage you with is you can't explain those things. You, you can't explain away the, rea- the, the reality that God does exist and bad things happen. It's just, it's a reality of life. But here's what you can do. Oh, my soul, don't be discouraged. Don't be, expect, don't be upset. Expect God to act. In the middle of tragedy, in the middle of tough circumstances, when everybody else is glued to the television or Facebook and we're watching that thing unfold live and it's tragedy, don't be downcast. Let's expect God to act, but our critics can cause doubt. Here's another one. Our conscience. Uh, our conscience, the little uh, Jiminy Cricket in our, in our brain. Um, in fact, it's way beyond a, you know, a talking cricket. Uh, it, 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 is, it is this spirit inside of us speaking to us, the flesh that's saying, hey, let's go this way. The spirit's saying, no, 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 maybe we ought to go this way and really understanding uh, how we need to listen to the spirit so we don't gratify the, the sound of the flesh inside of us. Um, our conscience. Uh, here, here's what uh, Paul says in 1 Timothy. Some people have disobeyed their conscience. In other words, the Spirit of God is speaking to them. Uh-oh, watch it. Slow down. You may want to rethink that. Don't do that. Don't watch that. Don't look at that. Don't think that. Don't say that. Oh, think twice before you go there. Are you, sh- are you sure this is the right attitude? Are you sure that that's the right habit you want to pick up? They, 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 they basically disobey that conscience within them, and they've deliberately done what they knew was wrong. Maybe you've heard this said. I know what the Bible says, but I, I just, I see it different. I know the Bible says that, but that's kind of an older translation of how to, this is 2019 and like the way people live these days isn't the same. And, and, and so what happens is they justify their behavior and, and basically they choose a theology. Uh, their, their, their morality defines their theology Okay, their morality and what they, how they want to live defines the kind of God they want to believe in versus believing in the one true God and allowing God to define their morality. That, that's the issue of 21st century uh, culture, rationalizing our beliefs in order to have God fit into our wants versus us surrendering and allowing us to be the clay on the wheel, uh, the, on the potter's wheel and have him form us into who we need to be. 
Paul goes on to say, when, when, when we do this, you know, isn't it surpri- it isn't surprising that soon they lost their faith in Christ after defying God like that. Can I say something to you? The more and more you ignore the Spirit of God speaking to you about an issue, it's not that he leaves. You just become less aware of his voice. And the longer you ignore his voice, the quieter his voice becomes to you. He hasn't met change. He hasn't moved. But you have begun to drift away. Don't, don't, don't let your conscience actually cause you to doubt and cause you to drift away from God. Here's a third cause of doubt, our circumstances. And this isn't anything new. We see it all throughout the word of God. When the Israelites had no rain, they left God and tried to worship the rain gods. And when they didn't have food, they worshiped the food gods. And it wasn't an issue of them not believing that God was real. It was them wanting to, it was the first commandment, don't have any other gods. Don't have any other gods before me. And they wanted kind of a a fallback plan. They wanted plan B, C, and D in case their God didn't cause the crops to grow this year. Uh, they, they, They struggled with their circumstances. And we see that even with Jesus and the disciples after they had had a wonderful day of ministry. They go get in the boat. Jesus is worn out, and, 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 and he's asleep in the bow of the boat, and all of a sudden a storm comes along, and, I mean, it's pouring down and crashing, and the disciples are bailing water, and, and Jesus is trying out his new, his new my pillow, and, and he's just like, he's just snoring along. This is the best pillow his money could ever buy. This guy right here, Mr. Michael, he guarantees it. And, and as he's sleeping on his my pillow, Uh, The rest of the disciples, finally, one of them jumps up and says, hey, 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 teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Like, do you care or not? And I want to say to you that that you may not find yourself in the middle of a storm inside a boat on the Sea of Galilee, but you can still struggle with those. Don't you care? I mean, I'm young and I'm sick. Don't you care? I'm... I'm single and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to, to find uh, that Mr. Someone, that Mrs. Someone, Mr. Right, Mrs. Right. Don't you care where I am in my finances? Don't you care? And that's a, it's a common question and circumstances can bring us to doubt God. And you know what? I believe, I believe this, and you may want to write this down. Um, most people don't doubt that God exists. In fact, um, a poll just a couple of years ago, uh, 93% of Americans believe that God exists. Okay? So it's not a question of whether God exists or not. No, many mo- most people don't doubt that God exists. Here's the deal. They doubt what kind of God he is. They don't doubt that he's out there. They just maybe doubt that he's a nice God or a loving God or a caring God. In fact, write some of those down. When when, our, when answers to our prayers are delayed, we doubt God's care. Does he really care about me? When I'm faced with an impossible situation, we doubt God's power. Because it seems so big, so impossible, we doubt if God has really the power to, to help us through that. When a tragedy strikes, we doubt God's love and wisdom. Now next week... Next week in the final installment of Everyday Vultures, I'm going to talk about this, uh, this vulture uh, called tragedy, called um, devastation. Uh, and you know what's crazy is um, a, a, group, a, a, a group of vultures, when they are in the air swarming, 
they're called a kettle. I, I don't get that because a kettle seems to be on the on some kind of fire, you know, and you're 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 cooking something inside a kettle, but it's called a kettle. When those vultures land and they begin to eat on the uh, remains or the carcass, though that group of vultures is no longer a kettle. That group of vultures is called a wake, like a like a vigil, a wake, um, almost like a, a funeral procession. That's what they're called, a wake. But did you know that when they are just grouped together before they swarm, here's what's crazy. They're called a committee. And that, that's, you know what, that's why we don't have a whole lot of committees at Timber Creek Church because most committees are full of vultures. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That might not mean anything to you, but I'm, I'm getting a lot off my chest this morning. And so because that group of vultures is called a committee, and because we're going to talk about how to, how to survive the wake uh, when everything seems dead next week, today we're going to finish by talking about how do we chase away that committee. How do we chase away the committee of vultures that want to steal your sacrifice, keep you stuck, and slow you down, or even stop you on your journey with Christ? Number one, be honest with God and others. We don't have time we, we don't, we, we don't, uh, we shouldn't take for granted every day. We don't have time to be dishonest with each other. We don't have time to put on masks these days. Like we've got to be real with each other. We've got to be honest with God about our doubts. There's no greater person to talk to about God. What did you mean? God, where are you? I mean, there's an entire book called uh, Lamentations about the lamenting. There, there, there's books, of the, the Psalms is all, there's all kinds of questions that the king, man after God's own heart, David says, God, where are you? You got to be honest with God. In fact, Jesus himself says, greatest man who ever lived was John the Baptist. And even John the Baptist had to be honest with Jesus, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus come, he said, hey, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm not even worthy to unloose his Birkenstocks. But, but later, when John is imprisoned and he's behind bars, we read about John struggling with doubts. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist, who was now in prison, he had heard all about the miracles the Messiah was doing. He didn't hear about the struggles the Messiah was experiencing. He didn't hear about the dead ends the Messiah was going down. He heard about the miracles the Messiah was doing. And so he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you really the one that we're waiting for? Or shall we keep on looking in the middle of his own prison, in the middle of his own tough circumstance, even though he could see that miracle, he was hearing that miracles were happening, he still said, but are you really, do you really, really care? And we got to be honest with our doubts with God. It's why we have our groups. It's why we have starting point. Help us understand more about what we believe as a church. And when you have a doubt, it's good to not doubt on your on your own, um, but but to talk about it. And you know what? Here's our stance, everybody. When you're a Christ follower and a child of yours or a friend of yours says, I'm struggling, I'm having some doubts. Here's, here's what the Bible says we should do with those that doubt. Jude chapter 1, be merciful to those who doubt. Be merciful to those who struggle sometimes because everybody's going to be there. 
Every single one of us are going to be at a place where we doubt. And here's what I want to say. Do not doubt on an island. Remember that old television show? Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Others of you, like you grew up on it. You could sing the song right now. Don't. Don't, don't do it. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a faithful ship. Okay, uh, Gilligan's Island. Gilligan's Island, I mean, they get shipwrecked after a three-hour tour, a three-hour a three hour tour. The weather started getting rough and the mighty ship was tossed. And if it really wasn't for the courage of the, faith, the fearless crew, that minnow, that was the name of the boat, the minnow would have been lost. The minnow would have been lost. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop. That is so stupid. Here's the deal. You got a, an actor. You got a rich guy. You got a skipper. You got a professor. And they're all stranded on this island along with Gilligan, who's just the happy-go-lucky guy. Who's, uh, and, and you got a professor who can make a radio out of coconuts but he can't, like, you know, fix the stupid boat. It was almost as if they wanted to stay on the island. And what I want to say to you, when you doubt, don't want to stay on that island and doubt by yourself. Get in a group. Get with somebody. Talk to a friend. Share with your pastor. Talk, talk, with, a, talk with a group leader. We want to we carry one another's burdens together. Number two. You got to believe your beliefs and you got to doubt your doubts. You got to question your doubts, but you got to stay true to your beliefs. You got, and here's what we do. We actually swap that. We, we, we tend to, to, to shift this up a little bit. Here's what we do. We, we, we tend to believe our doubts and we doubt our beliefs. And so the moment something goes awry, we say, God, what, what happened? Because of the way I feel... I listen to my feelings, and I've said this before. Let me say it again for the 25th time. Feelings lie to you. Your feelings are liars, liars, pants on fires. That's what your feelings are. They will lie to you. Your feelings aren't right. Your feelings aren't wrong. Uh, but your feelings can lie to you straight in the face. Well, I just felt this way. Well, it was wrong for you. Like, that's not even true. And your feelings can get you to all doubt your beliefs. And so the question I want to ask you today is, what will I listen to most? Will I listen to God's word or my feelings? My feelings that are tossed to and fro by the realities of life or God's word that stays constant, that, that is like a two-edged sword that can cut through, that, that, that slices me and opens me up and shows my weaknesses in one stroke and in the other can bring can bring wholeness and help with the word. What are you going to believe more? Number three, go with the faith that you have. Not, not the faith you wish you had. Not the faith that someday you'll have. Not the faith that you'll get after Grow Track 1. Like I'm talking about go with the faith. Trust with what you have. There's a story about Jesus walking through the streets and a man comes up and him and his wife had been dealing with their son. Their son was sick, um, possessed, was throwing himself into the fire. They didn't know what to do. Mom and dad, they, they, they loved their boy, but they were hopeless. And then they hear about a man named Jesus who is healing people like their boy. And the man finds Jesus in the, in the crowd, and he says, will you heal my boy? And 
and uh, uh, will, will, you, will you do something? Like, like I, don't know what, I don't know what you'll do. I don't know what you can do, but the story goes on to say in Mark, but if you can do anything, if you can do anything, would you just take pity on us and help us? And Jesus' response right here, he says, if you can, if you can do anything. Now, I don't see Jesus saying it like this. If, <laughs> excuse me, it's if, if we can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. And, and the Bible goes on to say, immediately the boy's father exclaimed, no, 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 don't get me wrong, Jesus. I do believe, help me overcome my un." belief. See, that's where I feel like some of us may be today, where um, you, can you have some, some doubts and still believe in God? You bet. Can you have some questions about God and still surrender to God? Yes. Some people say, well, I won't give my life over to Jesus until I get my questions answered. I've got questions. There's some questions I have for Jesus I'm not going to get answered. In fact, they're not even guaranteed to be answered until the other side of eternity. And even then, it's up to him to answer those mysteries. I do believe, but there's moments where I struggle. The Bible says if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move. And we get that one backwards too. And we think I've got to have faith of a mountain to move a little mustard seed. No, go with the faith you have. Trust God with the faith you have. Sure enough, they trusted with the faith they had, that mom and that dad, and their boy was healed. And I wonder whatever circumstance you're under, whatever critic has been, been getting under your skin, what, what, whatever conscience that maybe you've ignored, um, God's not mad. He knows that, guess what? He knows how human you are. He knows how normal you are. And he invites you to begin to continue to, even though we know he's good, to, to not completely understand everything, but to continue to walk in faith. And so today, would you take some self-reflection moments with me and let's just ask this very simple question. Am I dealing with any doubt about God right now? Is there, is there anything in your marriage, anything in your finances, anything that nobody else knows about? Is there anything in your circumstances? Is there anything in conversation with a friend or something you're reading or whatever that, that, that maybe has caused you to have doubts? And maybe, you know what, maybe it's, are you doubting his love? I want you to look, know the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. His faithfulness is great. And if you say, I don't know, if God really loves me, all I can tell you is hang in there. You'll know. You'll know. He loves you. He loves you. What about his power? Can he truly turn this around? Can he perform a miracle? I know there's miracles in the Bible. Can there be a miracle again today? And we struggle with that. I want you to know God is still on the move. He's still healing. He's still uh, opening hearts that seem to be hard. He's still saving wretches like me. He's, he's still on the move. 
What about his forgiveness? Maybe some of you have struggled with whether or not God could forgive you. So here's what it looks like. You keep on apologizing to God for the same thing. That's doubting that he's actually forgiven you. Like who the son sets free is free indeed. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess that sin. And if you've confessed it, he's cleansed it. If you've confessed it, he's cleansed it. But maybe that's where you are today that you haven't taken that step of confessing or you haven't taken that step of trusting or you haven't taken that step of leaning. One of the most famous scriptures in all of Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own ideas, your own understanding, your own conscience, your own, I got it all figured out. But in all your ways, yield to him, surrender to him. God, all my ways are not as high as your ways or clear as your ways, and I surrender to you. And you know what? It doesn't just happen like that. There'll be times where you are strong in the faith and then something happens and the storm, uh, the, the waters begin to rise and fill the boat and you're going to have to chase that vulture away. And you know what, some of you, you need to help some other people chase the vultures away. You need to help some other people by just reminding them how much God loves them, how much God has a plan for their life, how much God is in this. You telling your story helps chase other people people's vultures away. When you say, man, I, my marriage was at a dead end, but God came through. Man, my son had run from God, but then God got a hold of his heart. And you know what? The more you share the stories of God, how God worked in your life, the more it chases away other people's vultures. And we, we just, we, we, we put a, we just chase away the committee of vultures waiting to pounce on our faith. You're not alone. Lufkin, you're not alone, Die Ball. You're not alone, Duncan Units. Let's help each other chase away those vultures by putting all of our trust in God. Would you pray with me? Close your eyes right here, all of our locations. Just close your eyes and let's just do a moment business with God as one of my team joins me on the platform. Right there in the front of the units there at Die Ball and Duncan. Maybe you're here right now and you've been struggling with doubts, can you be honest with God in this moment and just right now, just, just put a hand up in the air. I've struggled with doubts. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Me too. Lord, would you give every person that's raised a hand what they need? The same way Jesus sent word back to John the Baptist in the middle of his own prison, he said to John the Baptist, hey, it's true, things are happening, good things are going on. You, you can take it to the bank. Jesus, we trust you. Would you send back to us the news that we need to hear? We'll take it by faith, but Lord, would you also just, just encourage us? In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen.